Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich Armis, episode 146. Hey, my riches, Hayut is here, and happy new week to us all. How do you plan towards bad days? It's a tricky question to ask entrepreneurs. We are just building our business, studying our customers, building the brand, growing it. So we don't really want to dedicate our time and especially not our energy to thinking and planning on bad times or planning for bad times. And we are right. However, however, as my guest today said, any step that doesn't take you up the mountain actually takes you down. So I think we just need to make a short break and plan not how we're going not to fail, but how we can take advantage of the next slowdown or recession or any um, bad time, even a very short one that might come. I think you're gonna love this episode and our guest today for three reasons. First, he managed to overcome the last recession after borrowing quarter of million dollars from his mother-in-law. And second, he positioned himself and built his second successful entrepreneurship by branding himself as the recession person or the recession consultant. And he even owns the recession.com site. And the third reason is because he really has some great tips and definitely a good story. And Jonathan also has for you a special offer of 75% discount for anyone who wants to buy his book. And you'll find it in our show notes. Let me introduce Jonathan Slane. Jonathan Slane's book, Rock the Recession, How Successful Leaders Prepare for, Thrive During, and Create Wealth After Downturns, came out in September 2019 and is the number one Amazon bestseller. Jonathan coaches high-growth leadership teams across the United States to implement the entrepreneurial operating systems, also known as Traction. He focuses on working with entrepreneurial niche or specialty firms and large corporations, spending over 100 days per year working with teams just like yours. Jonathan was the valedictorian of his graduating class and had the highest GPA ever in the history of Shaker Heights High School 
where he was also voted next Bill Gates and least likely to lose his virginity. Let's welcome Jonathan Slane. Jonathan Slane, what a pleasure to have you here with us. Hey! Let's rock! Let's rock! I'm so happy you are here with us. And I just shared with our listeners what you've done until now. And I like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today and where are you heading? Well, my day job is consulting work. So working with companies, uh, larger businesses, mostly on strategic planning after being an entrepreneur myself really started out my career in investment banking. So I'm a recovering <laughs> investment banker, uh, but, but realized, realized after working 80 to 100 hours a week for somebody else yeah. that it wasn't a fit. And so over a decade ago, uh, left investment banking and started uh, doing my own thing as an entrepreneur. And what did you start doing? Did you start consulting? Do you have anything else? No. Yeah. So after investment banking, I actually took a, a trip with my brother-in-law to Denver. He asked me to come look at a, a franchise business that he was interested in getting into. Okay. And my brother-in-law knew, he knew that I was uh, kind of the, the business guy in the family since I did a lot of mergers and acquisitions, helping buy and sell companies. And he wanted to make sure that the franchise would be a good investment. Okay. We went to Denver. And we looked at the franchise together. And on the flight home, I told him, uh, why don't I leave the bank and do this with you? Oh, so this is the, this was actually the first time that you decided to leave the bank? Correct. 10, 10 12 years ago, uh, we went into the gym business together on the flight home. And uh, so I left the, the bank and started opening up gym franchises. And we grew to have five locations in five years oh. all over Cleveland, Ohio. Wow. And so that's how that business grew. And we grew and we grew and we grew and we set uh, the record in the franchise for the most um, personal training sessions, for the most revenue, for uh, the largest operation, the most units. And then the Great Recession hit. Oh, we're talking when... about 2008? Correct. So the Great Recession hit, and uh, I, I learned a lesson about the worst thing that you can sell in a recession is personal training. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not food. Nobody yeah. wants to buy. Nobody wants to buy personal training in a recession, and we didn't have uh, a plan. So, uh, fast forward, we were able to uh, to get through the Great Recession only because I borrowed uh, I borrowed a few dollars from my mother in law. Hmm. Um, okay. And and by a few dollars, I mean uh, a quarter of a million. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. And so, how long so, did it take to to give it back? Uh, let's see. Uh, it took uh about three years. Uh, okay. but I have paid her back. Um, and so we just uh, I was just at her house for Thanksgiving and it makes it uh, a lot easier to go over for Thanksgiving with my mother in law now that I've paid her back. Sure. Uh, but a lot of um, so uh, now what I'm doing, my brother in law ultimately three years ago bought me out of the fitness business. OK. And he is really the gym rat in the family. He hmm. loves working out. He loves helping people um, work out. It just wasn't my passion. 
it wasn't my coffee, like Howard mm-hmm. Schultz uh, from Starbucks feels about coffee. Uh, but, <laughs> it's a beautiful but, but, story, right? Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I, who knows? Uh, he probably hates coffee. But uh, in any <laughs> case, the, the, for me, uh, what I, I do love and have been great at uh, was really the consulting work. Okay. And so I had a conversation with my brother-in-law three years ago because I was doing more and more consulting and yeah. less and less work at the gyms. And so ultimately he said, hey, you know, it seems like you're really passionate about uh, helping other people grow their businesses. Why don't you let me um, take over the gyms and you can do that? So I've now been doing this uh, full time for three years. And then uh, most recently started to get nervous that all of my clients weren't prepared uh, for the recession. Hmm. And so that's what got me into uh, into where I'm heading, which is, uh, recently put out the, the rock, the recession book. And now, um, just trying to get the word out so that other business owners and entrepreneurs can rock the recession too. I think it's terrific because when I saw what you are doing, I thought it is, first of all, it's very interesting because no one ever told me I'm about recession issue or I'm about the recession subject. And You know, we're always looking for a niche. But now when you've told your story, I've been out there as well. I was in Zurich with one of my clients when the Lehman Brothers was falling first. And I heard that and I said, okay, something is shaking underneath us. And it has been a very, very, very challenging time. So I think opening a recession business or talking about recession and actually bringing it on there is very clever but do you actually try to tell us that the recession is at the door I think that in the US at least we're probably looking at an event in late 2020 and I'm choosing my words carefully I don't uh, know if we'll have a full-blown recession I do think that as the US election gets closer and closer that consumers and businesses will be less likely to go out and spend. I think consumer confidence uh, will probably start to drop mm-hmm. as we get closer to the recession. Okay. And when when consumers mm-hmm. and businesses slow down on spending and start to save more, that often can put us into a recession or at least slow down the economy. And so I do think we'll see that. And really, but how the, the whole idea here is that I want my clients and your audience to prepare to rock the recession. It's not the typical recession advice. I didn't want to write that book because that book's already been written. The one where if you think that we're in a recession or you're reading in the news that there's a recession, you need to fire employees, you need to cut overhead and survive. That's not the, the point here. I think as I'm thinking about um, your audience and entrepreneurs and the, the advice that I give them, it's really more about what could you do now to prepare so that you could really uh, take advantage mm-hmm. of all the massive opportunities that a recession brings. And they only come around about once every seven years and they don't last very long. And we haven't had one in a decade, so we're due. So I really think that that's more of what I want the audience to take away is just how can you get ready if you're one of the, the ones that's savvy enough to take some time and just think through your preparation. I love that. I love that. So what actually are you saying? What is your suggestion? What do you want your clients and our audience 
to know. Yeah, I, I wish um, I could figure out a very simple way um, to give you the, the, you know, the, the few steps that you need to do when you're ready and you just rock the recession. As I did the research for the book and I searched for entrepreneurs yeah. and business owners that did well in the recession, the first thing is that they're hard to find because most people do not do well in recessions. What I learned though from, from the okay. ones that do are that they're complex, but the first step for all of them was to assess their current yeah. situation. So that's where I would start. And we did, uh, the, my co-author and I put up on recession.com uh, a simple assessment. It's 20 questions. Uh, I'll send it um, the URL to you for the show notes. But at recession.com, you, you just take um, five to 10 minutes. You fill out the 20 questions. It's free. Uh, and then you'll get a score from zero to 100. If you're a zero, then you're likely uh, to fail in the next recession um, in your business. Hmm. And if you're 100, then you should be licking your chops, excited to pounce when the next recession hits hmm. because you're so prepared to be okay. able to buy assets for cheap in a recession, to be able to buy other companies that aren't prepared, to be able to uh, win talent to your team that you maybe don't have access to right now because uh, unemployment's so low, uh, at least in the US and in most countries. Yeah, so, it is. Most uh, all over yeah. the world, but the U.S. is doing really. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if doing great, but it's yeah, it has been going great in the U.S. Yeah, also here in Israel. Yeah, so all of those are are big opportunities, but you got to start by assessing where you are, so that you can benchmark your company's preparedness versus uh, everyone else. And what we're seeing um, from all the results that we've gotten, we've got over a thousand responses to our assessment, is a 37 out of a hundred is where most companies, the average company is scoring right now. So when you take it, if you're over wow. 37, you can feel like you're probably doing better than most. And if you're under 37, then um, you probably have some work to do to be in that position of looking forward to the recession, as opposed to being scared mm -hmm. of it, being fearful, which is most people's natural stance. Yeah, and acting from panic never helps, isn't it? Exactly. I think. Yeah, that for sure. I I think one of the 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 point here is that if you uh, can come up with a recession plan in the cool, rational light of day, as opposed to yeah. the emotional heat of the night when your business yeah. isn't going well or when you're about to lose your house because it's tied to your business and uh, you just lost your biggest customer, or maybe your best employee started a competing business with you. Or maybe you find out that you're, uh, that the government changed a rule and all of a sudden that's threatening your business. All of those are non-economic recessions for your business. And so a lot of what we talk about in the book and um, in the plan is for any company. So if the audience is out there listening and they don't agree with me that a recession um, is probably coming in 2020, then they should think about um, all the non-economic recessions that happen to every business and how having a plan for those beforehand can help avoid that panic that you just mentioned. And who are your main customers? Who are you targeting when you're talking about, uh, mainly with the recession, I guess, also with your consultant, but I think you're doing, you have taken a new, a new step towards the world of preparing yourself, isn't it? Yeah, business leaders is who I'm targeting. 
because I think they're the all ones all over the globe, each kind of business, or are we talking entrepreneurs mainly or small businesses, big businesses? The, I, I don't think the, the size of the business um, makes a difference here because for a small okay. business, you can definitely find ways to rock the recession as much as a large mm. business can. And if you're an definitely. entrepreneur- even, even easier sometimes, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's even because easier. you're more nimble to take advantage of those opportunities that a recession brings. And so for the yeah. entrepreneurs out there, I, what I'm also reacting to, Hayud, is that a lot of uh, the business books that I read lately are all about how the only way to be successful is to really grind. You have to hustle and you have to grind your way to success. You have to work uh, <laughs> 80 hours a week. And then after that, you have to drive an Uber for the other 30 hours. Uh, <laughs> and then you're allowed to sleep with whatever's left over. My, my, <laughs> my, my thought is just, if you can rock the recession, then you can skip some of the grind that everyone else says yeah. is necessary. And that's what I saw because um, the the guy that I wrote the book with, Paul Belair, uh, my friend and mentor, yeah. he and his business partners bought a business right before the Great Recession. They invested a million dollars. And okay. then they grew their business through the Great Recession over 63 months. And they sold it for over 70 million. Wow. And so, again, for the audience, that's a million dollar investment a little over five years later, sold it for over 70. And I can't even say uh, how much exactly because Paul's under a non-disclosure. But the the point okay. is just that um, he was able to kind of hack the system. And by being smart about mm -hmm. what consumers would want in a recession, they totally changed their business model so that they got a big tailwind out of the Great Recession as opposed yeah. to... Um, it hurting their business. And and this was, he, his business was a construction business. They were contractors doing HVAC oh, wow. work, which is not a very sexy industry for growth. It's not one of these tech unicorns that we always read about. <laughs> no, but it's also one of the most fragile industry when we're talking about recession, especially the last recession, isn't it? For sure. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, construction is um, generally a very project-based business. It's generally very um, recession-prone. Um, and so to take a business there, and what they thought through was that their customers, because I know a lot of our focus here is on our customers um, for your podcast, is that... Yeah, that's right. Know, he, they thought through their team that... In a recession, the people that buy new HVAC equipment, new heating or air conditioning systems, wouldn't want to spend yeah. all the money to buy a new one. They would want to service what they have so that they could just put a Band-Aid on it and have it get them through until after the recession, they were able to store up some money mm -hmm. and purchase a brand new unit. And so Paul and his team focused on turning their business into a service-oriented business as opposed to a project-oriented business, which is what most HVAC contractors do. One of the things that I've seen through the last recession, and I've, I've been, uh, you know, I'm 33 years in business, so I've seen a few. But one of the things that I've seen, because I worked with entrepreneurs and startups then, is that what really uh, was the problem that other businesses that you were depended on started to collapse. If I'm talking about, we had some huge business, uh, very successful that did with mold, 
be a mold for production and suddenly all the big uh, industry, um, car industry and all the big players there started to collapse. You are not only controlling what happens to you, but the earth underneath you is starting to shake. What should you do? People are starting to leave you investors. Most of entrepreneurs don't have investors, but all the startups does. And the big startups need investors in order to succeed. And investors suddenly turn their back to their startups. So what should they do in this kind of situation? I love uh, that question. And you're hitting on one of the questions in that recession readiness assessment I referred to earlier. And so as we get into like the first thing you do is to assess where you're at and benchmark it. The second thing is that you need to tune up your business and your personal life. And one of the questions in tuning up is, how strong are my vendors and how strong are my major customers? And what I mean by that okay. is actually sitting down with them and looking at their financials, having a conversation with them about how they're positioned and what, what they're thinking about in a recession. Do they have a strong balance sheet? Do they have enough cash to be able to survive or support you in a recession? And I know that some of the audience may be rolling their eyes, maybe thinking to themselves, my vendors or my big customers are not going to share their financials with me. And all I can tell you is that um, it probably depends on how you ask. So it may be that... Right. I do agree with you. You don't want to send them an email and be like, hey, I was listening to Hayute, Jonathan, <laughs> and so just send me your balance sheet and your profit and loss <laughs> statement. But if you know your big customers and your major vendors well, maybe you could have lunch with them. Maybe they could bring their numbers to lunch and sure. just show them to you at lunch, not give you a copy, but reassure you that they have enough cash in the bank to weather a downturn so that you'll know if your major suppliers... are going to be likely to be able to support you when we hit a recession or if we hit a downturn. And maybe they'll like the fact that you're being smart about it and being proactive, and that'll mean that you can actually do more business with them since they'll see that you're a strategic thinker and that you're willing to have tough conversations. So I think that's, um, and I'm not saying that you can do this with every customer, with every vendor, But as I've been um, speaking with audiences, people have reported having good success with it. It all comes down to the approach. So I would be proactive. That's right. Once we're in a recession, I don't have a lot of magic for what to do. If all of a sudden your investors uh, were the wrong investors and they, um, they shut down um, your source of funds, it's too late. The whole point here is that we do uh, work now before we're actually in a recession So that when we're in a recession, we can just rock it and not have to waste a lot of time trying to figure out what our next move is. Wow. Of course, it's the right uh, approach. That's why I was excited about your coming here, because we are not thinking about that. It's like sometimes we feel that if you won't think about it, it won't happen. And I think that a very big part of it is thinking about it and bringing it into our consideration. So, I love what you're saying, and I would like to ask you, as an entrepreneur, what would be your best advice about approaching the customers or anything that has to do with customers? And you know, as a financial person, you know that uh, everything is about our customers because the money we are looking for is in their pockets. 
So what is the best advice you can give to any entrepreneur out there? So the the big things for me are um, the more that I can approach a customer with a relationship already, the better are my chances of us doing business together. So to the extent that uh, you can have a warm referral, whether it's for a service business or if it's from someone recommending your product on social media, that always makes it easier mm-hmm. uh, to make the sale. Uh, and then okay. I think the other uh, thing for me is to really be um, authentic. And I know that that word gets used a lot. And at the same time, I still mm-hmm. think that a lot of entrepreneurs are so worried about being themselves and trying to be what they think the customer wants uh, that they often Definitely. don't get there. And w- one thing one thing I've learned, mm-hmm. Hayut, is that People may not um, always be the smartest, may not have the highest IQ, may not be able to um, work out the crossword puzzle or do math very quickly in their head. But everyone um, that I've run into, potential customers, can sniff out inauthenticity very quickly. And so I've learned it's just, um, at least uh, maybe I'm not a very good liar (laughs) or maybe I'm not... (laughs) <laughs> Very, not good enough at poker, but so for me, it, it's those uh, those couple of things. And then I think the last thing is that you've got to be um, unique and original. So for me, uh, if I'm being um, perfectly honest, a lot of what I do is really just good basic business hygiene. It's really strategic planning. Mm-hmm. And I use the recession as a way of marketing myself that is more unique than approaching the market and my customers, asking them if they want help with strategic planning. Because everybody gets offered strategic planning and growth help all the time. I have not seen a lot of people asking um, about helping you to prepare to rock the recession. So that's where I think uh, too, that there is some marketing to figure out for for the entrepreneurs that are still gracious enough to be listening to us. I love that because of the combination that you are doing between being authentic or being uh, transparent and then being creative and create your niche and build a new market category where you can lead the category. And that's what you are doing. And I love that. By the way, talking about authenticity or being transparent, I always say that the nice thing about always telling the truth is first of all it's the best story and the second you can never fail you can you can never this is the deepest you will reach because this is the truth i want to ask you you had successes and you're going to have a lot of successes i believe but before we run into it i want to ask you to share with us what was your biggest most critical failure with customers or something that you did wrong or really affected your entrepreneurial journey the most? It, it's uh, it's an easy one for me. It was letting myself get into a position where I had to borrow the quarter of a million from my mother-in-law. And yeah. the, I didn't even tell you the worst part um, earlier when I mentioned that, Hayut, is that I didn't even borrow it all at once. It was actually uh, 12 phone calls because my payroll was about $20,000 every two weeks. And so I I kept calling and calling and calling um, every two weeks. 
to ask wow. for another loan. Uh, and so for me, I had a big decision, which is that whether or not I wanted to put that in the book. And so uh, we actually wrote two versions of the Rock the Recession book, one uh, with that story and one without <laughs> it, and ultimately published mm -hmm. it. And it's the very first thing you read uh, when you open the book. Uh, that's how we decided to introduce it. Uh, so it's right up front uh, because we thought... Um, <laughs> You know, hopefully that story will be a cautionary tale for um, readers and hopefully the authenticity, uh, you know, of me going to that one percent of things that I don't like to share uh, would also uh, get us some interest. So I and my big worry there was, you know, will all of my customers read that and wonder why do we want to take advice from the guy that borrowed a quarter of a million from his mother in law? You know, how would that affect um, current customers? Would it slow down new customers? Uh, so all of those were um, were things that I was considering. And the answer? Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah no, concern? if anything, I think it helped. So all of my current customers um, have been supportive. Um, I have not lost any. Um, and then I've uh, started working with several new customers. I send them a copy of the book. Um, actually during my, even before they start working with me. So they know upfront uh, my story and how I borrowed the quarter of a million, how I ultimately paid it back, what I learned from it and what I think uh, we can do together that will help them uh, to be in a far better position going forward. Uh, so for me, for me, it worked out. <laughs> it's a wonderful story. First of all, I think that uh... I think that all of us, and I told you that I've been in this recession and I've been an entrepreneur in this in the last recession, and I think all of us were there and we had to find our ways to get along and to handle the situation if we didn't want to shut the business. I think that if a banker, how did you say at the beginning, the one in the family didn't know how to do business, that's really good with that, if you needed to take a loan, Probably any one of the entrepreneurs, the clients, any one of us can find themselves in such a situation. And I love that. I think it's, it's a beautiful story. And it always works, right? The good stories. Yeah. Well, I think, too, that for a lot of the audience, uh, we haven't had a recession in over a decade. And a lot of the entrepreneurs yeah. listening to us uh, whether you're a solopreneur or you own a small business, if you've never been through a recession because you started your business uh, within the last 10 years, then also this topic is completely foreign and something that you've probably never thought about or had to consider. And since a lot of um, entrepreneurs are recent to um, owning their own business or starting a business, it's just another thing to consider right. in terms of what can you do now to get ready so that when uh, the recession hits, you can just stomp on the gas and accelerate so that you can buy, you know, maybe right now you don't have a lot of resources uh, and so you're wondering what you can even do. But in a recession, assets go on sale. The bank may take back, you know, if you're, <laughs> if you're uh, a baker and there's an oven that you covet and it's an expensive purchase, understand that in a recession, um, if the bank has to go repossess somebody's oven, they don't want to own ovens. 
first of all, the bank is going to have to go uh, repossess the oven. They're going to have to go to wherever it is and pick it up. They're going to have to put it on a truck. They're going to have to drive it to a storage um, unit that they rent. And then they're going to have to put the oven in the storage unit. Then they're going to have to go back and get it and take it to the auction house and auction it. Hmm. And then they're going to give the auctioneer a third of whatever they make. In other words, the bank will happily sell you the oven for pennies on the dollar just so that they don't have to deal with all of that mess that I just talked through. What you can do now if you're an entrepreneur and you're listening to this is start making relationships with banks. Let bankers know that in a recession, Hmm. you're a buyer for ovens. You know, if they repo ovens, then you would love to be their first phone call and you will happily show up with cash Hmm. the next day and you'll show up with strong people to help you carry the ovens and it won't be a problem for them. I mean, that strategy is something um, that you have to plan for now so that you can form those relationships with the bankers now because in the recession, they're just going to call the first person in their Rolodex that they know will um, bring them cash. Sure. The one that already right, built right, the relationships right. with them. Sure. And now I would like to ask you about the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customers. It really uh, comes down to several of the companies that I work with, and I do work with a lot of construction companies, are having their record years this year. And I think a lot of that is that, um, first of all, um, the economy is strong right now. Construction is a strong market, so it has a tailwind. And on top of that, we've done a lot to lay the groundwork for that success, for them to be really profitable. And... I think the the biggest success is that I've been very honest with them because in a lot of cases, um, it's hard to read the label when you're inside the jar. <laughs> and so my what what I do is I provide that outside perspective, that honest opinion. And I can do it only because I work with 20 different clients. I don't have to worry about one of them firing me. I don't have to worry about them getting mad at me Uh, If they do uh, get mad at me and fire me, I have 19 other sources of income. So I would say that the the biggest success is that ability to be truly honest and to deliver that perspective from outside the jar uh, that they just can't get internally. And I think think the biggest success is the success of our clients, isn't it? What a great feeling it is that we managed to not only helped ourselves, but helped 20 or 15 other clients to thrive. Yeah, and I think the, for me, the, the, other, uh, the other part of it is to be like a bullfighter. Hmm. Uh, the more that we can um, be the matador that really shows off the client or the bull in this case, um, then that's where yeah. really the attention deserves to be and should be. So I also um, think that I take a lot of pride in doing what I do without um, the client even noticing all the small things that go on to help to make Mm. it all happen. Uh, And that's sometimes part of it is that the client doesn't even realize all the little um, flourishes that are helping them to be successful and to look really good um, in the middle of the arena. So I will tell you as a marketer that you should tell them and show them what you're doing while you're doing that. Because so many times 
a lot of clients look at uh, look at things and say oh it just happened and I think one of the things that a lot of consultants or people that help clients don't do is really show them what they missed and I think it's important don't brag but still show them what they missed what you've done first of all that they will be able to do that even if you won't be on their side but second they should know everyone should know how you help them agreed so this is my this is my advice Jonathan can you recommend the best or most effective technological or digital tool that's related to customer focus marketing or sales however I'm not looking for the last shiniest tool in the endless list I'm looking for something that really works for you and helps you to succeed yeah I I, uh, I want to be um, original here because I'm sure uh, that many of these get repeated so As I'm thinking about this, one of the tools that really works for me is a teleprompter. And so I think for, oh. for uh, young entrepreneurs um, or entrepreneurs, small business owners, you can uh, I just I, I learned this uh, about a year ago. You can buy a teleprompter for two or three hundred dollars. It's really just um, a, yeah. a mirror um, <laughs> with with uh, some brackets around it, but then you can take your iPad. And with the teleprompter app, you can take whatever speech you want, and then you can uh, read the speech off the teleprompter with a camera behind it. And you can then create marketing videos or sales videos or um, customer facing videos uh, without having to memorize a speech or without having to go off script. And so I love it for me because it's hard for me to remember um, a really long uh, script. And if I don't have a script, I start to ramble. So that's what I would say is mm-hmm. for, um, for entrepreneurs, small business owners um, to consider that as a tool that can really help them. <laughs> I love that idea, even for myself. I love it because, you know, I'm uh, talking in English, which is not my mother tongue, as, uh, as everyone can hear. And that is a great idea. I really love Good. that. Good. Excellent idea and very original, I must say. I try. <laughs> <laughs> Succeeded. You know, there are many factors that affect one's success. However, I believe that for each of us, there is one thing that really helps us to succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? What works for you? So again, for me, it's, it's quick because I, I talk about this um, in the Rock the Recession book, and that's that uh, I have a life plan. Uh, for me, uh, my mentor, um, Paul Belair, who's my co-author and, and good friend, helped me to get started with having a life plan 10 years ago. Hmm. And whenever the holidays are coming up, it reminds me uh, of a quote, um, and that's that most people spend more time planning for Christmas or Hanukkah than they do their lives. <laughs> and that always got me um, in terms of people will spend hours and hours planning their vacation. And, and by people, I include myself. Sure. And then when it comes to our lives, though, whatever emails I get, whoever calls me, that's where I go or that's what I do. And so for me, the biggest success factor has been just having a life plan, having uh, it. You know, putting down on paper what my goals are, what I want to do, 
so that as I get presented with new opportunities, I can quickly run them by that filter that I've already preordained. And then if a new opportunity fits, you know, if I get an opportunity to be on the Reach or Miss podcast, that definitely <laughs> fits with with what I want to do because of where I want to go. And others um, that come my way, I can just give a, a quick um, but polite no to if it doesn't help me um, to move more towards what my goals are. And I think having that done also provides me kind of a defensive shield. Yeah. Because everybody that I've, I've spoken with, if I tell them, hey, look, I, I really am flattered by the opportunity that you're offering me to be on your board or to help out with your company. Uh, and at the same time, I'm heads down working on my life plan. And so I just I can't um, work on it right now. Everybody understands that. So it just gives me a great excuse um, so that I can jealously guard my time to focus on the things that um, I want to be working on as opposed to everybody else's agenda. Hmm. I love that. And I want to tell you that I, I think we talked about it in the la- uh, with my last interviewers as well. But I do believe that in business, and I do the opposite in my private life, but in business, you can't get up in the morning, you can't leave your home or get to your office if you don't really know what you want to achieve. And I'm talking about goals. Not only the life plan goals, but taking it down to know what do you want to achieve in this year. We are just about ending the plans for next year and there is time to do that. What are the three, four, five goals that you want to reach? And what are the objectives that you want to reach? And then taking it down to the monthly goals and to the weekly goals. And when you're going out of your home to your new day, You should know what are you looking for, what is a good day, what means that you really achieved your goals. And it's so critical and people are not doing that. Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> my last question before I ask you what is the best way to connect with you is my mountain question. And as my listeners already know, I always imagine this journey of building a brand, taking position in the mind of the customer, building a new product, building the awareness, and then the know, like, and trust, and then the brand. I always imagine it as climbing a mountain, step after step after step. And at some point, I started to ask my guests whether they ever climbed a mountain or wished to climb a mountain. Oh, and that's what I'm asking you. Do you have any relationships with mountains at all? And I do mean physical mountain, literally a mountain, but it can also be the metaphorical mountain as well. Yeah, I love this question. And as I think about it, uh, the mountain uh, I pick is Mount Fuji. Oh. And it's uh, Tokyo and uh, Japan. happened to be um, one of my wife and I's uh, favorite places on earth. And oh. we have not um, climbed Fuji yet, but when we are in Tokyo, uh, imagining that in the background and how beautiful it is um, and how uh, we got to get back so that we can um, get closer and closer um, to that mountain um, just brings a smile to my face. So thinking through... Uh, what that looks like, um, and also knowing that um, next year with the Olympics coming up in Tokyo and how mm. that'll be a beautiful backdrop um, for the games, 
Um, I think that's that's really important. And I, as I think about the mountain question, my current mentor is Jerry Grisco. He runs a public company in the U.S. Uh, that you know, over a billion dollar company, and he told me early on that that this whole idea of climbing the mountain, of knowing what your goal is, is that you have to just take a look at every opportunity that you get, every email that you answer, every phone call that you answer, every minute of every day. If it's not moving you up the mountain, hmm. then the only option is that you're taking a step um, down the mountain. And so I understand that sometimes people will say, you've got to take a couple steps down to go back up the mountain. But I, for me, that's how I really think about everything that I do, uh, whether it's with my kids or with my wife or um, with my business um, is just if it's not a step up the mountain, then it's a step in the wrong direction for me. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that's somewhat original um, for you as well. It is both. First of all, Mount Fuji, which is great. I haven't been in Japan yet. I plan to, but, but I do know Mount Fuji. Do you have any photo with Mount Fuji in the background? Oh, not yet. Yes. yes. No, we have it. So if you want to share it with us, we will be very happy to put it in the show notes of this interview, as well as any other link to anything that we talked about. And so I love the answer. And I also love the answer to uh, connecting goals with mountains. I didn't think of that. And since I'm talking a lot about both, it's great for me. I want to ask you, What is the best way to connect with you for anyone of our listeners that would like to be in touch? And before I let you answer that, I want to tell all our customers that besides the link to the assessment in your site, we will also, of course, have the link to the book, to the new book. And I'm sure we will all be very happy to read that. So what is the best way to connect with you? Easy. Uh, on recession.com, uh, everybody can find all of my contact information. Uh, and yes, um, Hayut, recession.com really is my website. Uh, so <laughs> that's, that's the website. And it's, it's just Jonathan at recession.com. Um, and if people want to take the assessment, um, they'll find it there. And then also there's a, a big contact um, field where they can uh, get in touch as well. That's fantastic. And Jonathan, It has been a different kind of conversation. I love that. You are a wonderful interviewee, and I enjoyed it very much. Thank you for coming here. Thanks for having me on, and just want the audience to rock on. Hmm. Let's rock all of us, and we don't need a recession to rock, you know, but we can plan towards it. And uh, let's rock, and thank you, Jonathan. Take care. Thanks, Hayut. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.